Good morning. This morning's passage comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 3. I'm going to read verses 1 through 3, and then 16 and 17. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to him by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world should be saved through him. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I want to start with a quote today. The quote is attributed to St. Francis of Assisi, although there's no evidence that he ever said it, okay? But here's the quote. Maybe you've heard it. Preach the gospel at all times. When necessary, use words. How many of you have ever heard that? Maybe a few hands. Uh, maybe nobody's ever heard it. That's okay. All right. Very good. In the Bless series that we have been a part, we have focused on what the Jesus mission is, the Jesus mission that we are all called to. It is to reach people who are far from God. It is to restore the world to the way that God wanted it to be in the first place. And it is to reproduce in ourselves other people who will then go out and reach others and restore their world. And this circle goes on and on and on. And to do that, what we've done is we've thrown out this word, bless, in front of you. And we have focused on bless to remind ourselves of specific daily practices that we can do to carry out this Jesus mission wherever we go. And so, let's recap here. Uh, B is for begin with prayer, right? And we're going to ask God, how, God, can you use me to bless the world today? To bless, how can you make me a blessing to somebody else today? That's what we're going to start. We're going to start with prayer. Then we're going to listen. We're going to listen to God, where he leads us, we're going to listen to other people in our path. And then, fun one, we get to eat. Yes, eating is just a way of leveraging the mealtimes that everybody has to have so that we are intentional about listening to the people that we are praying for. And when we eat with people that we're listening to, then we will know how to serve them. And service is simply a way to, um, serving is to give people, uh, my iPad just went out, here we go, uh, serving is a simply meeting others' needs in practical, impactful ways, whether it's building steps for somebody's house or whether it's building confidence in somebody's heart, we can serve that way. There are lots and lots and lots of ways that we can serve others. And today, it's about this last letter in the word bless, and this last letter is Share your story, or we could put it this way, share the story. And very simply, the story that we're going to be about sharing is the story of how God has moved and worked in our life. Now, let's be honest, okay? 
The first four are pretty low-risk activities. Some of you, uh, you know, I can pray, I can listen to people, I can surely eat, right? And, and, and sure, I can serve people in a lot of different ways, whatever um, uh, talents and abilities that I have, I can serve people. But when we get to this last S, oh, that's where the sweaty palms come in, right? Let's be honest. And maybe that's why there's another version of this St. Francis of Assisi, non-quote, non uh, not his quote, that goes this way. See if you can notice the difference. It says, preach the gospel at all times. If necessary, use words. What's the difference? If is the difference. And if is a little word, but it's really big. It's everything because if lets us off the hook. If means that I might never actually have to use words to talk about God. If just means that I can do my thing without speaking and, and people will still find God because I'm just a good guy. And that we love that thought. That is a much easier road. And I get that because I am standing in front of you. And it is one thing for me to stand up in front of a bunch of believers on a Sunday and teach the Bible and talk about God. It is a whole different thing. When I'm in line at the store, it is a whole different thing. When I'm out on the golf course and I'm playing a few holes with somebody that I don't know too well, let's be honest, this S, this story thing is a pretty scary thing for most of us. If necessary is a pretty appealing alternative to when necessary. And it leads the, leaves the possibility that I won't have to share my story with words but if isn't the original quote, it's when. Preach the gospel at all times, when necessary, use words. The gospel is always proclaimed in both word and deed. They go hand in hand. One can't be done without the other. And besides that, you can't really spell bless with just one S, so we need a second S. That's story, okay? All right. So what we've seen so far in our blessed series is that Every letter has been done by Jesus. Jesus lives out each of these practices, and obviously that's where we get them from. And today is no different. The text is a great example today of how Jesus shared his story with someone. It was one-on-one. -on -one. It was with words. It wasn't like an Instagram story where we just post a picture. It wasn't like a Facebook Live. It was toe-to-toe, knee-to-knee, face-to-face interaction. And in a world of people who are kind of hiding in their phones and hiding behind filters in their pictures, wow, is this a lost art to actually talk to somebody face-to-face. -face. But as Christians, as Christians, we need to keep the edge sharp. And so Jesus walks us through how to do that. The text begins this way. John 3, there was, a man, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council, and he came to Jesus at night. And so we have a person, his name is Nicodemus, and he is a Pharisee. Now, Pharisees, we've talked about this uh, time or two before. They were very conservative, very educated, very influential religious leaders in Jesus's day. And let's just say that Jesus and the Pharisees kind of butted heads at all times. They were kind of on the, the opposite sides of the field. We could say it this way, they wore uh, opposing jerseys, okay? And Nicodemus, who is one of these Pharisees, comes to Jesus under the cover of night. And even though they're on different teams, Nicodemus sees something in Jesus. He sees something that he needs to figure out. And so he doesn't want 
everybody to know he's talking to Jesus. And so he comes in the middle of the night so his Pharisee buddies won't know that he's talking to Jesus. And the people won't be aware that he's meeting with Jesus. And when he meets with Jesus right out of the gate, Nicodemus acknowledges the the work of God in Jesus. He says this, no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. In other words, Jesus point, or Nicodemus points to the miracles that he's seen Jesus do. He admits that Jesus has to be from God because nobody could do those miracles. And let's be honest, it's a pretty great compliment for Jesus. I mean, if somebody comes to you and compliments you, what do you do? Jesus does the opposite. We would say, oh, thank you. Uh, that's so nice of you to say. Jesus doesn't do that because he is perceptive. He knows that behind this observation that Nicodemus just made is a question. And Jesus takes this observation that is really a cloaked question, and he uses it to take the conversation in a very personal direction, and he drills down on Nicodemus' own words. Verse 3, he says this, Truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And Jesus begins with that statement from Nicodemus and begins to share his story. He shares the story about how to be a part of God's work, about how to gain eternal life. He begins by telling Nicodemus, you need to be born again. And that was a difficult thing for Nicodemus to hear. Nicodemus is a Pharisee. He's a big-time religious leader. And if there's one thing that he knows, it's how to be a part of God's family, how to be a part of God's kingdom. It's, you're, you're a part of God's kingdom because you're born into a Jewish family. You're a part of God's kingdom because you adhere to all the Old Testament rules and regulations and the law of Moses. And you don't need to tell Nicodemus how to be a part of God's promises. And yet, here's Jesus saying, Nicodemus, if you want to be a part of God's family, you must be born again. In other words, Nicodemus, you have to be born differently than you think. Some of your versions say this, that you have to be born from above. Nicodemus, take all that Jewish heritage, take all that lineage that you hang your hat on. That's not the way it works anymore, Nicodemus. It's going to take something different to be a part of God's family. And he questions Jesus. He's confused by this. He says, I don't, how can a grown man be born a second time? And I don't think he's talking about how it's anatomically possible. I think he's saying, Jesus, there's no way that could happen. We know how to be in God's kingdom. It's to be born a Jew, If you're born a Jew, you're in. And Jesus answers this way. Unless one is born of the water and the spirit, then they cannot enter the kingdom of God. Flesh gives birth to flesh. Jewish people give birth to Jewish people, Nicodemus. But spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at me saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases And you hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. And so it is is with everyone born of the Spirit. And now Nicodemus is really perplexed because what Jesus is doing here is he's turning his whole world upside down about what it means to find God. Do you know why this S is so important for us, and we can't do anything without that. 
One of the reasons is this, that just like Nicodemus, all of the people that we encounter on a daily basis who aren't a part of the church, just like Nicodemus, they think they already know the story. There's a huge demographic that we would label unchurched in our country. But in the Bible Belt, there's probably a bigger demographic that we should label this way, de-churched. De-churched means that they grew up in the church or they were part of a church somewhere and for whatever reason, they're not now. And most of the time, if you ask them, they would say something like this, well, I tried church and it just didn't work. And what that's code for is I couldn't fix myself enough. I couldn't clean myself up enough to the degree that was acceptable to the church family that I was a part of and I got tired of trying and so I quit. And what a breath of fresh air that we can be to tell the real story. The real story is that Jesus has already done everything that needs to be done in order for you to have a right relationship with God. There are no requirements to meet. There's just a response to make. That's the story. And that's what most people don't get. Just like Nicodemus, they've bought another story. And Jesus tells him the right one. What is that story? Look at verse 10. He says, you're a teacher and you don't understand these things. We speak of what we know, but you still don't accept our testimony. Go to the next slide. And then he says this at the very end. No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the son of man. In other words, Jesus is saying, I know this is hard for you to get your head around, Nicodemus, But my story is not just a story of coming here to the earth and doing miracles. My story is that I'm the only one on earth who knows about heaven because I have come from heaven because I am God who has come to tell you about eternal life. And Jesus isn't done. He says in verse 14, the way that that eternal life is going to happen is that the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. And there's a reason that Jesus is telling of his impending death, the way it will happen, that he will be lifted up on a cross, because that's the story. And if we put that together with what Jesus has already said, then here's the story that Jesus is telling to Nicodemus, that people who come to Jesus in faith to be born again by water, by spirit, believing that the cross is enough to make them right with God, those people will have eternal life. And that leads him to one of the most quoted verses of the Bible. You can, you can probably say it with me if you, if you don't know it. Just read along. Okay, let's all say it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And there's a reason that that verse, especially the first one, verse 16, among all the other possible verses in the Bible, there's a reason that that one is quoted so often. Do you know why? It's because it's the story. It's the story of Jesus boiled down to its most essential parts. This little section of Scripture, John 3, 16 and 17, answers almost everything you could ever ask. Who is Jesus? There's your answer. Why did he come? There's your answer. 
What is the cross all about? What will happen when I die? Can I live forever? Does God hate me? Can I ever be right with God? Is there a way to escape the punishment that I deserve as a sinner? Is there a way to get over the guilt that I feel for all of the things that I have done? All your answers are right there in that text. There's a reason that it's put up behind the goalposts. It's all there. And do you see what's happening here? Nicodemus comes to Jesus in the middle of the night, expressing red-hot spiritual interest, and it's obvious that the now is the when. When necessary, use words. And now is that time. And so Jesus uses words to share the story with Nicodemus, the story about who he is and what he's about and what, he, what Nicodemus can do in order to find his way back to God. And that's the second S, share the story. A lot of us are hesitant to share the story. One of the reasons is we're really scared of the questions that might come when we start to share the story. Maybe that's you, it's me. Because here's my experience, the questions that people ask me are rarely the questions that I'm ready to answer. It just works out that way. I don't know why. Maybe you're hesitant to tell the story because we feel, you feel like you don't know enough about the Bible to tell the story. Maybe you're hesitant because uh, I'm just not good with words, or I don't want to come across as a fanatic who's just slapping people in the face with God. I've seen those people work, and I've seen the damage that results, and I just don't want to be anything like that. And I, I agree. I don't, I don't either. The truth is, if we're beginning with prayer, if we're listening with care, if we're eating together, if we're serving the people that we live with and work with in love, then there will be opportunity at some point to share the story. And the story is about how God has worked in your life and changed you, and that makes a difference. Here's the line that we're going to use for the next few weeks. The line goes this way. Your story might be the only story that leads people to his story. Would you say it with me? Your story might be the only story that leads people to his story. And what if you never tell your story? Can I let you off the hook a little bit when it comes to telling the story and getting the sweaty palms? I'll do my best. Here's my best try today. You don't have to be an expert in theology to tell the story. You don't have to know Greek to tell the story. You don't need to know the harmony timeline of the life of Jesus to tell the story of Jesus. You don't have to have half of the New Testament memorized to tell the story. Here's all you need to do. You need to be an expert about what God is doing in your life to tell the story. That's it. You need to be in tune. You need to have your eyes open. You need to be perceptive about where God is leading you and what he's trying to get done through you. And only you can be an expert at that. Your story might be the only story that leads people to his story. So over the next four weeks, we're going to share uh, stories. We're going to put people in front of you from our congregation who have stories to tell. And I'm going to call Amy Allen up at this time. And while she's coming, Brian is going to come with her just for moral support. And she's going to tell her story. 
And the people that we have in front of you are just people that we're aware of that kept their eyes open. They're in tune with what God is trying to do in their life. And they have a story to tell. And will it resonate with everybody? No, but it'll resonate with somebody because your story might be the only story that leads people to his story. Hello, I'm Amy. This is Brian. Um, I had, I'll start with this. Um, I've had some people ask me in the past, you know, how do I know God is real? How do I know there really is a God? And before I've said, you know, different things, nature and what whatnot. But um, I know he's real because of how he's worked in my life through this one circumstance. Back in March, I hurt my back at work. Just a silly little twist, and I hurt it. I didn't think it was anything big, but it ended up being a huge deal. Um, I was off work from March through, well, I didn't go back until, I think, July 31st, August 1st. I mean, even then it was light duty. I was left at home with my thoughts and images of me being crippled and not being able to work or do what I love, which is taking care of people. Um, I'm a nurse. So I was left with these thoughts in my head. And if you have only those thoughts in your head, it's an evil, evil place to be. So I had been to the doctor. I'd been to physical therapy. Nothing seemed, I seemed like I was getting better than worse. Um, but ultimately, my last visit I had with my doctor was August 21st. And... He told me, structurally, there's nothing wrong with you. There's no reason why you can't work. And I argued with him. I can't even lift 10 pounds. How am I supposed to move patients? Um, So that was the end of that. Went home. And so I was left with my thoughts. Uh, On the 23rd of August, that was the day I term, in my own terms, I broke. I broke that afternoon. Uh, I looked back at my texts to Brian that day, I just did this last night. I haven't been able to read my texts or notes or anything till last night. Um, and over a course of like two hours, I went from joking about a windshield wiper not being fixed to all I can do is look at my arms. They're just so beautiful and pale. And I saw my veins in my arms and I just wanted to slip my wrists and bleed out in the bath. I, I texted him that. I said, I'm going to cut my arms and bleed out in the bathtub and so he got that text of course he 120 down Clark Street to home um, and I was sitting on the porch um, and I don't remember anything about that day except for my beautiful and they don't look this way now but I just I had this highlighted forearms both of them and all I could see was my veins and that's all I had in my mind um because I was tired of hurting, and I didn't want to be a burden to anybody. Well, how have I seen God work through that? That night, it was just an orchestrated event. It was just, I look back, and I don't remember all this, but I've had people fill in the details. It was a Thursday night. Brian always has a consignment auction on Thursday. It was canceled that night, so he was going to be home. Um, Aaron had the kids at home. They were eating, and I just... I do remember saying, I just want my babies. She brought me the babies. They ate their dinner at our house. Um, I remember Tyler 
I don't remember seeing him, but I remember his comment. Grammy, you need to stop crying. And so I was like, I can't. But uh, so I had the kids there, the babies with me. Aaron was there. Um, Kristen came right over. Joe was on day shift, so he was off to help Kristen, to be by her, to support her. Um, Josh, Aaron, I think she called him, and Josh came straight over, um, helped with the kids, took the kids. Kristen was there to comfort me. Um, Just how everything worked out perfectly. Brian called Brett, and Brett came straight home from work. No questions asked. Didn't get reprimanded at work or anything. Brett had the presence of mind to call my case manager, who told Brett that I needed to go to a hospital. Um, but my family was telling me they love me, they love me. I, I, that didn't, it didn't affect me whatsoever. I didn't care. I mean, I do care, but I didn't, it didn't have any impact on me. Aaron had the presence of mind to call my coworker, um, Karen. Karen was the one that came down from Joplin. She's always got family things going on, but she dropped everything and just, she was there within, I think, probably 45 minutes. And Karen was the only one that could get through to me that day. And she just reached out and grabbed my hands. I was trying to tell everybody I wanted to stay the night in my own bed, and I was going to go to the doctor the next day. I would have had everybody fooled, but Karen looked at me and she says, Amy, you know what you need to do. I was like, I know. I have to go to the doctor. I have to go to the hospital. She said yes. So... They went with me to the hospital um, while they, Brian, my mom came down, um, and Karen, she stayed with me till about 2 o'clock in the morning. Now, through all this, um, afterwards, I had so many people text me and call me to make sure I was okay, how I was doing, how I was feeling, um, just like out of the woodwork. I was, I, I felt the love. Before all this happened, I had been praying that I would feel Jesus again. I had not felt him around me for the longest time. It's, it was months. I just, I couldn't, I couldn't even turn on my K-Love, which K-Love is my radio station. I listen to that all the time. Or my Christian music. And I couldn't even turn it on my Pandora. Um, I just, I couldn't. And I prayed that God would somehow touch me and make me feel loved again. I didn't even feel like it was worthy to be healed. I had people try to, you know, lay hands on me and heal me. And I was like, this isn't going to work because I just don't deserve it. Um, so through all this, through that dark, dark black night and seeing how God orchestrated everybody in my family to come down, my mom, when she came down, she told me later, she says, you know, that day I was driving around in Kansas city, they live in Kansas city. And I was thinking, I need to get gas. I need to go by the bank and get some money out for the week. And she says, no, I'm not going to. She almost got home, and she's like, I'm going to. So she gassed up her car, and she got her money out for the week. Well, lo and behold, when Brian called her, she gassed, ready to go. She says it was just like God spoke to her that day, and she didn't even, she was nudged. So how God has worked through everybody, making everybody available for me that night, and then Karen, the only one that actually could get through to me, um, that was just, I look back on that, I think that's so amazing. How can there not be a God? I mean, the, I would have my older brother would say, 
It's luck. He's an atheist. It's luck. It's happenstance. No, you cannot get exact like that with luck or happenstance. There's no way. I don't know the laws of probability or, you know, for mathematicians, but 100% accuracy for a night, I don't, I don't, I just, I don't believe in luck. It was God. Um, so after that, um, I was talking to my sister, and I was telling her about um, everything that had happened. And I said, I, after all this has happened, I said, I finally feel God touching me again. I feel his presence. I said, I feel like he has got his, because of the pictures that we all grew up with in Sunday school, he's in his white robe, and he's got his robe just wrapped around me, and he's kissing me on the head, and he's like, I've got you. I'm your dad. I'm like, ah. Oh. And so I was like, it's just, I told Kimmy, I said, it's just an all-encompassing hug. I just feel like he's hugging me again. And I can just feel him. It's just ugh, wonderful. And Kimmy was, responded, she was, her voice was cracking and shaking. And she says, oh, my goodness, Amy. She says, I have been praying specifically that God would surround you physically, that you would physically feel his touch like a hug. I was like, we both started bawling. And I thought, oh, my God, that is so specific. How does that even happen? That's so specific. And then I was telling, I was excited. I told a couple people at church, and I told Marcy Reynolds, I said, and this is what happened. And she goes, I've been praying specifically that you would feel God's touch as a hug. I was like, whoa, this is amazing. So I'm thinking, this doesn't just happen by chance. It's an orchestrated event. Our lives are orchestrated. And I just, it's not luck. It's, it's. And I haven't, I mean, you know, I have my ups and downs, but um, I've got my K-Love on again, got my contemporary Christian music, I dance in the shower again. I still have my pains and aches, but it's not, I'm not in that dark spot anymore. And I know I've got my family and my friend, my coworkers, I, everybody is there with me. And I just, that's my, if anybody asks me how I know God is, exists, that's how. He's worked that in my life. And I've actually told that to one of my Scientologist coworkers, and he's like, "Oh yeah, yeah." I said, "The world just doesn't happen; just doesn't happen." I said, "There's a God, and He's in charge." So, anyway, that was it. Thank you. Your story might be the only story that leads somebody to his story. Let me, let me conclude really quickly with two challenges. Number one, prepare your story. It's not if we need a story, it's when we need a story, right? So if the story is going to happen regardless when we start blessing people, then let's prepare what it's going to be ahead of time. Peter tells us this. In your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks. And so let's develop and prepare the story ahead of time. Here's a, here's a great framework. Number one, my story before I committed my life to Jesus. Number two, my story of how I committed my life to Jesus. Number three, my story after I committed my life to Jesus. What was my life like before I found Jesus? 
what were the circumstances that surrounded me, uh, surrounded my life when I actually followed Jesus? And then what kind of change did it make? What kind of difference was there in my life? That's your story. Now, we love the shocking stories. We love stories like I used to be a drug dealing Satan worshiper, but ever since I found Jesus, I pray 10 hours a day and I read the Bible all the time and I baptize people at lunch every day, right? We, we like those stories. That may not be your story. That's okay. Peter tells us the central piece of the story for every Christian believer. It's the very first line of that text. In your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. That's the centerpiece of the story. When you set Christ aside in your heart, it makes you different because you've experienced grace. You know what it's like to be forgiven. You know what it's like to have purpose and meaning in this life. You know what it's like to have hope beyond this life, how to handle your relationships and your finances. All of that is different. Your approach to your work and your career are fundamentally different because you've met Jesus. Tell about that, okay? Jesus changes you. And it doesn't have to be rainbows and cupcakes in the end. We are all still working it out, right? We have up days, like Amy said. We have down days. That's your story. Your story might be the only story that leads people to his story. Here's challenge number two. Some of you today need to change your story. You're not, you're not too impressed with yourself about how your story's going. And let me tell you a, a, an important truth. If, if you say that you met Jesus, but it did not change you, then it was not Jesus that you met. Some, some people might be walking around as, as saying they're a Christ follower, but they haven't really been changed. And if that's the case, I don't know who you're following or what you're following, but it's not Jesus. Following Jesus makes us different. At the very least, it means that we found our way back to God, and it means that we no longer trust in our own religious activity or personal morality for eternity with God, because our only hope is in Jesus his son, in his life, in his death, in his resurrection. If nothing else has changed, surely that has. Peter gives us the essential ingredient for change. It's the same one. In your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. In your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Have you done that today? Have you set him apart as the only one that you look to for everything in your life? Have you accepted his sacrifice that he gives by grace? Have you accepted it through faith and in baptism and for good works? That can be your choice to do today, and you can change your story. Nicodemus had a story because he met Christ. He found forgiveness. He found hope for eternity, and he discovered his mission. The most notable time that we run into Nicodemus again is at the end of of the book of John. And John writes in chapter 19 that after Jesus has been crucified, Jesus' body is still hanging on the cross, and a guy named Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus go, and they retrieve Jesus' body from the cross, and they start preparing it for burial. And I got to think that in John chapter 3, when Nicodemus was trying to be so secretive about being associated with Jesus, something changed between chapter 3 and chapter 19, because that's a pretty public act to go and take his body down from the cross. But he was 
absolutely willing to do it. Why? Because Jesus had changed his story. Jesus' story changes us. Maybe you need to be changed today. Father, we thank you for the story that you give us. There's an old song that says, I love to tell the story. And may we be people that love to tell the story of how Jesus has changed our lives, of what he has done for us. Father, would you give us boldness to speak when we have opportunity to speak? Help us to be careful and conscientious about talking about these kind of things with people. But when we see a wall that is down, help us to steer the conversation so that Jesus is proclaimed as Lord and Savior to everybody that we come in contact with. His story has changed us. May we be about that story so that others will be changed as well. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand and we're going to sing. Maybe you need to change your story today. If that's the case, I'd love to talk to you. I'll be right over here. Maybe you need some prayer today. There will be some people up here that you can come to and pray if that's what you need.